Chapter 36 of Folk Stories from Southern Nigeria, West Africa. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Folk Stories of Southern Nigeria, West Africa by Elphinstone Darrell. Chapter 36 Concerning the Fate of Esido and His Evil Companions. Chief Obori lived in a town called Adiagor, which is on the right bank of the Calabar River. He was a wealthy chief and belonged to the Egbo Society. He had many large canoes and plenty of slaves to paddle them. These canoes he used to fill up with new yams, each canoe being under one head slave and containing eight paddles. The canoes were capable of holding three puncheons of palm oil and cost eight hundred rods each. When they were full, about ten of them used to start off together and paddle to Rio de Rey. They went through creeks all the way, which run through mangrove swamps, with palm oil trees here and there. Sometimes in the tornado season, it was very dangerous crossing the creeks, as the canoes were so heavily laden, having only a few inches above the water, that quite a small wave would fill the canoe and cause it to sink to the bottom. Although most of the boys could swim, it often happened that some of them were lost, as there are many large alligators in these waters. After four days hard paddling, they would arrive at Rio del Rey, where they had very little difficulty in exchanging their new yams for bags of dried shrimps and sticks with smoked fish on them. Footnote. A stick of fish consisted of two sticks, with a big fish in the middle of each and a small fish at each end, there being eight fish on each stick, making sixteen in all. These sticks were then tied together and smoked over wood fires until they were quite dried. One stick of fish would sell at Calabar in the dry season time from 3S6D to 5S a stick, and a stick would be got for five large yams, which cost Chief Obery only 1S, so a large profit was made on each canoe load, the canoes carrying about a thousand yams each. A bag of shrimps would be bartered for 25 large yams, and the shrimps would be sold for 15s, being a profit of 10s on each bag. At the present time, however, the same size bag of shrimps in the wet season would sell at Calabar for £3.10s, and in the dry season for between £1.10s and £2.00. Chief Obery had two sons, named Eoi and Esido. Their mother having died when they were babies, the children were brought up by their father. As they grew up, they developed entirely different characters. The eldest was very hard-working and led a solitary life, but the younger son was fond of gaiety and was very lazy. In fact, he spent most of his time in the neighboring towns playing and dancing. When the two boys arrived at their respective ages of 18 and 20, their father died, and they were left to look after themselves. According to native custom, the elder son, Yoai, was entitled to the whole of his father's estate, but being very fond of his younger brother, he gave him a large number of rods and some land with a house. Immediately, Esido became possessed of the money. He became wilder than ever, gave big feasts to his companions, and always had his house full of women upon whom he spent large sums. Although the amount his brother had given him on his father's death was very large, in the course of a few years Esido had spent it all. 
He then sold his house and effects, and spent the proceeds on feasting. While he had been living his gay and unprofitable life, Eoi had been working harder than ever at his father's old trade, and had made many trips to Rio del Rey himself. Almost every week he had canoes laden with yams, going down river and returning after about twelve days with shrimps and fish, which Eoi himself disposed of in the neighboring markets, and he very rapidly became a rich man. At intervals he remonstrated with Esido on his extravagance, but his warnings had no effect. If anything, his brother became worse. At last the time arrived when all his money was spent, so Esido went to his brother and asked him to lend him two thousand rods. But Yo refused, and told Esido that he would not help him in any way to continue his present life of debauchery, but that if he liked to work on the farm and trade, he would give him a fair share of the profits. This Esido indignantly refused, and went back to the town, and consulted some of the very few friends he had left as to what was the best thing to do. The men he spoke to were thoroughly bad men, and had been living upon Esido for a long time. They suggested to him that he should go round the town and borrow money from the people he had entertained, and they would run away to Akpabrio's town, which was about four days' march from Calabar. This Esido did, and managed to borrow a lot of money, although many people refused to lend him anything. Then at night he set off with his evil companions, who carried his money, as they had not been able to borrow any themselves, being so well known. When they arrived at Akpabrio's town, they found many beautiful women and graceful dancers. They then started the same life again, until after a few weeks most of the money had gone. They then met and consulted together how to get more money, and advised Esido to return to his rich brother, pretending that he was going to work and give up his old life. He should then get poison from a man they knew of, and place it in his brother's food so that he would die, then Esido would become possessed of all his brother's wealth, and they would be able to live in the same way as they had formerly. Esido, who had sunk very low, agreed to this plan and they left Apabrio's town the next morning. After marching for two days, they arrived at a small hut in the bush where a man who was an expert poisoner lived, called Okpanasip. He was the head juju man of the country, and when they had bribed him with eight hundred rods, he swore them to secrecy, and gave Esido a small parcel containing a deadly poison, which he said would kill his brother in three months. All he had to do was place the poison in his brother's food. When Esido returned to his brother's house, he pretended to be very sorry for his former mode of living, and said that for the future he was going to work. Eoi was very glad when he heard this, and at once asked his brother in, and gave him new clothes and plenty to eat. In the evening, when supper was being prepared, Esido went into the kitchen, pretending he wanted to get a light from the fire for his pipe. The cook being absent and no one about, he put the poison in the soup, and then returned to the living room. He then asked for some tombo, which was brought, and when he had finished it, he said he did not want any supper, and went to sleep. His brother, Eoi, had supper by himself, and consumed all the soup. In a week's time, he began to feel very ill, and as the days passed, he became worse, so he sent for his juju man. When Ezidok saw him coming, he quietly left the house. But the juju men, by casting lots, very soon discovered that it was Esido 
who had given the poison to his brother. When he told Eoi this, he would not believe it, and sent him away. However, when Ezido returned, his elder brother told him what the juju man had said, but that he did not believe him for one moment, and had sent him away. Ezido was much relieved when he heard this, but as he was anxious that no suspicion of the crime should be attached to him, he went to the household juju, and having first sworn that he had never administered the poison to his brother, he drank out of the pot. Footnote. Every compound has a small juju in the center, which generally consists of a few curiously shaped stones and a small tree on which the shot bird frequently builds. There is sometimes a species of cactus at the foot. An earthenware pot is supported on sticks against the tree and tied on with tie-tie or native rope. In this pot, there is always a very foul-smelling liquid with frequently some rotten eggs floating in it. Small sacrifices are made to these jujus of chickens, etc., and this juju is frequently appealed to. The liquid is sometimes taken as a specific against sickness or poison. In the dry season, the author has often observed large spiders with their webs all over these jujus, but they are never touched. There is also frequently a roughly carved image of wood, and sometimes an old machete and some broken earthenware on the ground with a brass rod or manila. It is generally a very dirty spot. End footnote. Three months after he had taken the poison, Yoai died, much to the grief of everyone who knew him, as he was much respected, not only on the account of his great wealth, but because he was also an upright and honest man, who never did harm to anyone. Esido kept his brother's funeral according to the usual custom, and there was much playing and dancing which was kept up for a long time. Then Esido paid off his old creditors in order to make himself popular, and kept open house, entertaining most lavishly, and spending his money in many foolish ways. All the bad women about collected at his house, and his old evil companions went on as they had done before. Things got so bad that none of the respectable people would have anything to do with him, and at last the chiefs of the country Seeing the way Esido was squandering his late brother's estate assembled together, and eventually came to the conclusion that he was a witchman, and had poisoned his brother in order to acquire his position. The chiefs, who were all friends of the late Io, and who were very sorry at the death, as they knew that if he had lived he would have become a great and powerful chief, made up their minds to give Esido and the Ekpower Juju, which was a very strong medicine, and gets into men's heads, so that when they have drunk it, they are compelled to speak the truth, and if they have done wrong, they die very shortly. Esido was then told to dress himself and attend the meeting at the Palaver house, and when he arrived, the chiefs charged him with having killed his brother by witchcraft. Esido denied having done so, but the chiefs told him that if he were innocent, he must prove it by drinking the bowl of Ekpower medicine, which was placed before him. As he could not refuse to drink, he drank the bowl off in great fear and trembling, and very soon, the juju having got a hold of him, he confessed that he had poisoned his brother, but that his friends had advised him to do so. About two hours after drinking the Ekpower, Esido died in great pain. The friends were then brought to the meeting and tied up to posts, and questioned as to the part they had taken in the death of Io. As they were too frightened to answer, the chiefs told him, 
that they knew from Esado that they had induced him to poison his brother. They were then taken to the place where Eo was buried, the grave having been dug open, and their heads were cut off and fell into the grave, and their bodies were thrown in after them as a sacrifice for the wrong they had done. The grave was then filled up again. Ever since that time, whenever anyone is suspected of being a witch, he is tried by the Ekpower Juju. End of chapter 36